Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. How you doing, church? You can be seated. You're looking good, particularly in the Pearl and Rocky Butte and Mill Plain and 217 and uh, in Melbourne and in China. If you're watching this wherever you are, you look brilliant by faith. Well, it's great to be here. And uh, how many love what Jesus is doing up in the northwest? I've just come from our summer where it's about 95 to 100 degrees. Actual fact, they had the Australian Open finish this morning. They had the longest men's finals in the history of tennis. Grand slam. It just went under six hours. Six hours. So that's how long I'm going to preach today. And um, get ready. Uh, it'll be a marathon, but it's not as hot as it is there. It actually finished at 2 a.m. Uh, Monday morning in Australia. And if you want to know who won, uh, Djokovic won, beat Nadal. There was no Americans or Australians in the final, so none of us should clap. <laughs> I'm ready to preach the word. Are you ready this morning? You know, in Acts chapter 2, or the book of Acts is really the model or the blueprint for what the church should look like. A lot of people have a philosophy of how a church should look like. But when God sets up a model in the Bible, that's how we build it. It's amazing how many churches don't look like the book of Acts. And um, so I want to talk to you about that this morning. But there's five things that I quickly want to set up and then we'll go into my sermon this morning, which is called The Supernatural Church. But the five things that are in the book of Acts that actually set a foundation for how church should be. Firstly, in Acts 2 verse 1, the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell. How many know that we need the Holy Spirit in the church? We got churches all over the world that worship the Father, the Son and the Holy Scriptures. But God never called you to worship the Holy Scriptures. He called you to worship the Holy Spirit because He's the one who reveals the Holy Scriptures. Hmm. Just a little thought. So the Holy Spirit fell. Then in Acts 2.42, it says this. It says, And they devoted themselves, which means to give entirely oneself to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the vision and the Word in the church. So God gives a church an apostolic vision. So they devoted themselves to that vision. The Holy Spirit fell. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then they devoted themselves to fellowship. So God wants you to have an encounter with Him, then come under a vision and then be in fellowship with that vision. Then the Bible says they ate together with meals, which talks about family. So we go from God encounter, vision of the house, vision of the church. Then it comes into coming into fellowship with the church, then into family with the church. How many know that God just doesn't want you to like the vision? He wants you to be an owner of the vision. 
And then they devoted themselves to prayer, which is intimacy and power. And then happens in Acts 2.43 that the Bible says a great sense of awe came over all of them. By the way, and, and the disciples performed many miracles and signs and wonders. Many people think that signs and wonders create awe, but actually it's awe that creates signs and wonders. Which is, by the way, honour. I could talk all day on honour because honour is the foundational truth of the kingdom. You say, I thought love was the foundational truth. Well, that's one of them. But honour, every miracle Jesus did was about honour. In fact, the fathers, we talk about unity. We talk about unity. If you have honour, you'll have unity. We talk about miracles. If you have honour, you'll have miracles. We talk about salvation. If you have honour, you honour what Jesus did, you receive faith, you have salvation. Honour is a key principle for the kingdom. The word honour means to esteem at the highest degree. <laughs> and sometimes we, we do this. Well, I'll honour that because I like that. God never called you to honour what you like. God called you to honour the God in people. Just a little thought. That's a whole nother sermon. You can download it, Planet Shakers podcast. <laughs> and uh, where, yeah, so the Holy Spirit... I've got to remember where I was. I got sidetracked for a second. You just pulled me on a side. Your, your Holy Spirit hunger pulled me on a side road for a second. Now I've got to get back. A sense of awe came over them and then they looked after the poor, those in need. And the Bible says, and, and people were added to the church daily. People being saved daily. So who wants a church that sees signs and wonders Sees the community looked after and sees salvation and see that that's the, what we want. Well, to have what we want, we need those five things. The Holy Spirit being devoted to the vision, being devoted to fellowship, being devoted to family and uh, the family of God and be devoted to intimacy and power. And in my prayer time, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, go to Genesis. And I went to Genesis and he showed me in Genesis. He said, what did the Holy Spirit do in Genesis? I said, well, the Holy Spirit hovered. He said, that's right. He said, what did he do in Acts 2? I said, he fell. That's right. He said, then what did happen in Genesis? I said, you said that let, let there be light. He said, what's that? I said, it's your vision for the earth. He said, what's that? That's an apostolic vision or a kingdom vision. Huh. He said, then what did I do? I said, you created Adam and the animals. He said, that's right. What do humans and animals do? They, they have fellowship. They're not family, they have fellowship. He said, then what did I do? I said, you created Eve. He said, what's that? I said, that's family. He said, then what did I do? I said, you walk with them in the call of the evening. He said, what's that? I said, it's intimacy and power. And he says, the five things that I introduced in the creation of the world, I reintroduce in the creation of the church because the church is the vision of the kingdom and the world was a vision of God's kingdom. I could preach on that for a long time. But I, I want to talk to you about the supernatural church because God, the what church should look like in the 21st century because we've got a lot of people have views on how church should look like but we've got to go back to the book of Acts to see what the church should look like. Amen? 
The Bible says in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power means ability and efficiency and might. So the church should be powerful in nature. The Bible says in Psalm 92 that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. So it should be a flourishing house. And the Bible says in Ephesians 5, it says that He's coming for a glorious church. So He wants a powerful church, He wants a flourishing church, and He wants a a, a glorious church. So we're going to look at the attributes of the supernatural church that it was in the book of Acts that should be in our lives every day. Because when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about the building or the sign over a place, I'm talking about you. Every one of you is the church. If you don't know Jesus, you're yet to be in the church, but the church is an awesome thing. It's God's vehicle for revival. It's God's vehicle for the world to be changed. I hear some people say, I love God, but I don't love the church. I say, liar, liar, pants on fire. Because you can't love God and not love what He came for, which was His church. He married His church. That's like saying to me, I love you, Russell, but your wife, she's an old bag. I'm not coming to, come over for dinner. I'm not coming for dinner because your wife's there. I would, I would go, you're in big trouble right now. You can't love God and not love His church. <laughs> oh, I've been hurt in church. Welcome to the world. Everybody gets hurt. You think pastors don't get hurt? You, have, you put into people and they go to another church? You don't think that hurts? Just a little different perspective. We all get hurt. The very first thing that happens when you're born is you're slapped. <laughs> you're in this warm belly and then they come out, Pah! Oh, I want to go back in. <laughs> but I, I say to people, I say, <laughs> I say to people, do you get hurt at work? Yes. Does that stop you going to work? No. Do you get hurt in your family? Yes. Do you stop going to Christmas? No. So what's the difference? We're all fallen people saved by grace. What's an attribute of a supernatural church? It's a growing church, personally and corporately. We should always be growing. If you've stopped growing, that's your problem. You go, what do you mean? See, there's no lid on your life. Don't, don't listen to people who say you got a lid. You're, there's lids on your life. No, the only lids you allow on your life is the only lids on your life is what you allow. Jesus has no lids, and Jesus lives in you. The Bible says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. The Bible says, out of my innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The Bible says to many as received Jesus, He gave them power to be children of God. The only lid that's on our life is the lid we allow. They try to put Jesus, they put, try to put a lid on Jesus. In fact, they try to put Him in a tomb, but a tomb couldn't hold Him down. And the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you and lives in me. So there's no lid, there's no limitation, there's nothing that can hold you back. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. Come on. You're limitless. Hmm. It's a growing church. So you should always be growing. Growing. 
Doesn't matter how old or how young you are, you should always be growing. My grandfather at 88 years of age went blind. And he came to me and he says, I'm going to learn Braille. I said, Grandpa, why do you want to learn Braille? He says, I want to continue my daily reading of the Word. I said, Grandpa, there's a thing called CDs. You can listen to CDs. He goes, it's not the same, Russell. I need to learn Braille. So he learned Braille at 88. He then came to me a few months later. I was a youth pastor. And he used to come to our youth services and he would say to, my dad, to me, he would say, Russell, these, the music style is not my style, but this is the best music. This is the best meeting in the church. He said, but don't tell your dad. My dad was the pastor. So I told my dad. <laughs> but he came to me one day and he says, God's give me a vision for this outback town in Australia, 4,000 people, right in the desert area. And I'm like, cool, thinking, are you sure? He says, I want you to find some young person to travel with me. I'm going, I went, okay. I didn't really mean it, but I said, okay. So I sort of did this half-baked fine. For Anyone want to go with grandpa, you know? He came up to me next week. He says, I need you to find someone. And next week he comes up and he says, have you found them yet? I said, oh, no, no, Grandpa, still looking. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> oh, no, that was you too. Um, and so next week, Grandpa comes to me and he says, have you found them? I said, no, it's still looking. Next week, how's that person? When I'd see my grandpa coming, I'd try to get away. And even though he's blind, he had this sense where I was. Like, uh, <laughs> like Russell! <laughs> he can't see me. Don't tell him I'm here. Oh, he knows you're there. I know you're there. Uh, yes, grandpa. Found them? No. Three months, every week, he asked me, have I found them? And I said, no. After three months, he came to me and says, you don't need to look anymore. I've found my own young person. He says, we're going. (laughs) So he hops in a little prop plane, flies to this desert city or town, 4,000 people. And he goes door knocking. Hello, my name's Pastor Tom Evans. I believe in the Holy Spirit and not much else. We're going to have a Pentecostal church service in that house at the end of the month. Hello, my name's Pastor Tom Evans. I believe in the move of God and God's had a plan for your life. And we're going to go. And he door knocked the whole town. 60 people turned up to his first service. They all got saved. And he kept leading the church for a month or or three months, I think he led it for, and it grew to 80 people. He got tired of running it, so he rang my dad, who was the head of, you know, he's like Pastor Frank of MFI. That was my dad of the Assemblies of God in Australia. And uh, he rang my dad and said, I'm coming home now. You need to find a pastor. We have 80 people. We've got a church here now in the centre of Australia. What did my grandpa do? He stopped. He He didn't stop growing. He kept growing. He refused to, to say, my time's up. 
In fact, the last thing he actually did was preach. And he went up to preach and he tripped. He was 96. He tripped on the step and he broke his hip. But he wouldn't let the ambulance come and get him. So he put his foot up and he sat down and he preached his last sermon with a broken hip. Two days later, he graduated to heaven. He refused to allow a limitation get in his life. The second thing about a supernatural church, it's an influential church. You're not called just to, you know, be born, get educated, get married, have kids, you know, retire and then die and go to heaven. That's all you do. You're called to influence the world. In fact, it's a mandate of the church. Be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion. You're a leader. Oh, I don't have the title. You don't need a title. You're a leader. You have authority. So bring influence. Every part of society. The third part, the third thing about an influential church, it's a generous church. As soon as, wherever there's generosity, I know there's revival. Wherever there's a giving spirit, I know that God is moving because it, you, you say, I want to be God-like. You want to be God-like? What's God-like? Because people say, I want to be godly. I want to be God-like. I want to be like God. What is God-like? He's generous. The nature of God is generosity. He's a giver. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You can't have Christianity without giving. Not just tipping, giving, generosity. So generous in your time, generous in your passions, generous in your resource, generous in your prayers. Generosity is a part, is, is the heart of God for the city, for the nations, for the nations of the world. And I know this is a generous church, but I want to encourage you, keep giving, keep sowing, keep giving of your life, keep giving of your, of your heart, keep giving of your resource, keep giving of your, of your energy and your talents. Your talents are to build His church because His church is the vehicle for revival in the world. Hmm. Fourth thing about a supernatural church, it has a strong sense of God's presence. I, I preach all over the world. I, pre, I, I preach in the who's who in the Christian zoo. It's churches. I've been brought up in the church all my life. Fam, in a famous Christian family in Australia. In fact, my dad uh, is actually one of the great uh, fathers of Australia, particularly the Pentecostal church. Um, you know, under his leadership, he took the movement from 80 churches to 1,200 churches. And then Brian Houston took it over after him. And my dad at 65 retired from being a pastor and decided to start a political party called Family First. And he got in as a senator. First time ever in the history of Australia. And he held the balance of power at 65. And now he's 75 and he's uh, helping little churches or struggling churches keep alive. See, that's a generosity. He's a, we've got to be a generous church, but we have to be a church that has a strong sense of His presence. If His presence isn't here, and I, you have a strong sense of God's presence, but I want to encourage you, there's more. 
I remember I was sitting in our church. Our church has gone from zero to 8,000 in eight years. It is our music. You guys sing, people sing it all up. Millions of people sing our songs. And uh, I was sitting in our service one day, and our service is rocking. It's like rocking. You know, it's, it's a young at heart church because everyone's young compared to God. It's all about your attitude. I know some uh, six-year-olds that are younger than some 14-year-olds. Young is a mindset. It's not a birth certificate. Just a little thought. Not everyone, by the, everyone who's over 50 says amen to that. But it was rocking and it was, it was great and the atmosphere was awesome. You know, people getting saved, it's great. And I'm sitting there and a friend of mine who's ministering in our church is sitting next to me and standing next to me and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, he, he's loving this, this is cool. And he turns to me and he says, Russell, this is awesome. And I'm like, yeah, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, yes, thank you, Lord. And, and, and I'm there and yeah, it is, it's thank you, Jesus, for that. And then he goes... But there's more. There's more. Church, this is a great church. But there's more. There's more. You need to lean in to him more. There's more. Oh, it's been great. And what you're doing is magnificent. Campuses over the, over the cities. Church plants over the world. It's awesome. But there's more. There's more of His glory. There's more of His blessing. There's more of His presence. There's more. God doesn't want His church not to carry His presence. If it doesn't carry His presence, what is it? It's a gathering of people that sing religious songs and hear motivational talks. You see, God never called the church to be consumer driven. He called it to be discipleship driven. That's a whole nother sermon. See, it's easy to get crowds. It's harder to create disciples. Jesus wasn't actually concerned about the crowds. He was concerned about the disciples because if he could disciple, he could create larger crowds of disciples. His presence, His presence. Sometimes things, sometimes we're in the Western world, particularly what we call His presence, I actually call soul, not spirit. You go, ooh. I say, I'll tell you the difference. I'll show you how you discern the difference. Because sometimes the soulish realm is, is very close to the spiritual realm and so it feels similar. But here's the difference. You can have, if, if all you do... After this service is talk about me, I've touched your soul. But if after this service, you go, you honour the vessel, but God did this, this and this and this, and the, t- the discussion becomes about Jesus and comes about what he's it, 
I've touched your spirit. Whenever a preacher ministers or a, a group comes, if all you do is talk about the group, how cool they were and how that was cool and that was cool and that was cool and not go, well, God did, you know, you honour the vessel, but then you go, wow, God did this, all oh, the presence, all oh, the miracles, all oh, this. And God, because where your spirit gets touched, God gets exalted. Where your soul gets touched, man gets exalted. And in a nation of celebrity, I suggest to you some of the things that we are calling success in the kingdom might be soulish success. Success doesn't mean numbers. Because Noah saw no numbers in his generation and he was the most successful leader of all kind because if he didn't lead, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> sure, success is fruitfulness, but here's the deal. The seed will always be successful in form. Abraham's seed was blessed. In Hagar produced Ishmael. Ishmael's, the nations that come out of Ishmael are still blessed. Financially, they're blessed, you know, because the seed is blessed, but it doesn't mean it's kingdom. But in Isaac, well, in Sarah, Isaac's produced and it's, I'll make you the father of nations. And the seed, uh, the blessing of Abraham rests on the generation after generation. And so it's still blessed financially. It's still blessed in provision because the seed is blessed. But where you plant the seed is what brings kingdom. So sometimes of what we call success in the West is just the seed is blessed. That you're really thinking this morning. We need His presence. I know I'm hammering this point, but we need His presence. I want to go and encounter church. You'll forget my messages. You'll forget the songs. But what you won't forget is an encounter with God. Church should be the place of encounter, not the place of just tickle my ears and make me feel good for a moment, but a place where I have an encounter with God, where I wrestle with God. I'm not going to leave you until you bless me. i got to get a touch from heaven. I've, I've been beaten up by the devil. And I need to come and experience you. I've got another 25 points, so I better hurry. No, I haven't. It's an outward focus church. It sees people saved every week. They add it to the church daily. We, if the church starts winning souls, my suggestion to you is we're not operating with what God's given us. Because you receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost, to be soul winners. <laughs> well, I'm not an evangelist. Yeah, but you have Jesus in you, so you are an evangelist. You have the power of God in you. If I was a banker and I invested my, my cash into a place and they did nothing with the cash that I invested, I'd pull it out and put it into somewhere that would take what I have. God's invested into His church, His spirit. And He's looking for a return. <laughs> it's a church that demonstrates the fruits of the spirit, not just the gifts of the spirit. 
I've been in Pentecostal church all my life and, you know, I've seen people come to altar calls, but they haven't altered. Because an altar call is a place to alter. You come to the altar, A-R, and you alter, E-R. You get changed from glory to glory. You alter. It's not a time of, oh, just give me a good touch so I can feel better for the moment. It's a place of change. And they come to it and they get prayed for and then in the car they're, they're swearing at their kids. And I go, well, how can you be so touched by God and not be changed by God? We need the fruits of the Spirit. <laughs> Love, joy, peace. Long-suffering. Oh, we ate that one. <laughs> it's a prophetic church. See, God never called the church. This is, this is what makes me laugh about the 21st century. If you come to my church, it is the coolest church. It's cool. I have a screen that is a full LED screen. Like, it's huge. It's worth $300,000. I have like 80 moving lights in worship. It is rocking. I'm telling you, it is cool as cool. Uh, and I've yet to be to a church that's cooler, to be honest. This is cool, but not quite as cool. Um, uh, it, it, like, it is rocking. It is just, it, it, it's relevant. But, you know, I hear people talk about being relevant. Being relevant is a most hilarious statement the church can make. Let's be relevant. Of course we should be relevant. Of course, that should, that's a given. Of course we should be what, speaking the language of the day. Of course. See, the devil's smart. He gets the church not to speak the language so people don't understand what's happening. So then what he says is, okay, let, let's get the God. See, what the devil does, he takes truth and he takes it beyond where it should go. And so we should be relevant. So yes, the, all the churches, yes, relevant, 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 relevant. And we're over here and we forget presence, power, prayer, faith. And so we're over here in relevance, which we should be anyway. You don't go down to a car yard and talk a different language. So why do you talk it in church? Not you, but other places. Why? We should be speaking the language. Jesus spoke the language. When He spoke to fishermen, He spoke about fish. But He backed it up with power. And we got all these churches that Mickey Mouse sermons about relevance, but they have no power. And how do you transform a world? An encounter. The, the message is the vehicle to encounter the presence. Yeah, I'm preaching strong this morning. I don't know. See, we, we shouldn't be relevant. We should be prophetic. And I'm not talking about prophetic where, ooh, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Daniel prophetic. Daniel was, he stood out. He was attractive. He was cool. He was Better than anyone else in that group. We have the media come to our church a lot and they go, oh, it's a good looking people's church. And I went, oh, I'm a bald pastor. Might need to lose a few pounds. And why, I said to my wife, why do they call it the good looking people's church? She said, when you're happy on the inside, you're attractive on the outside. See, that's the church should be inside our attraction 
becomes outward. So we should be attractive to the world. We should be. But we should be prophesying what they could be and what they can be and what they, the, their future is. Oh, what you're seeking is an encounter with God. And we'll give you a model that, will, that when you walk in, the worship isn't for the Christian. It's actually for somebody work in, walk in and say, I can relate to this. But now... I, they're hearing the message. Now we've got to be prophetic to say, come on, this is the destiny God has for you. Come on, there's a greater level for you. Come on, God wants to touch your family. It's a persecuted church. <laughs> Do you think the devil cheers people getting saved? He doesn't mind churches going, people hopping from this church to that church to that church. That church. He doesn't mind that because that doesn't do really much to his kingdom. <laughs> I've got a friend of mine who actually preaches a sermon. If I was the devil, the 10 things I'd say to the church. Thank you for your disunity. It's helped me. Thank you for your lack of giving. It has helped me. Thank you for just going from church to church to church. It's helped me. Thank you for not winning the loss. It's helped me. The devil's not going to sit back and go, hey, City Bible, thanks for plundering hell and populating heaven. Thank you. Come on. Come on, demons. Let's line up and let's high five them. He's not going to do that. He's going to try to stop everything you can. But the, the, the funny thing is, Christians get all worried about the devil. He's under our feet. Stop worrying about him. He's under our feet. Yeah. See, this is, if he's under our feet, how's he getting into our head? I'm going to get, Andrew doesn't want me to do this because, uh, okay, come on, Andrew, come on. <laughs> Andrew, could you lie on the ground? We'll call Andrew the devil for the moment. <laughs> See, if he's under our feet, he can talk all he likes, but all he's talking to is my feet. The only way I listen to him is if I get down to his level and listen to him. That's the only way I listen. And too many Christians are listening to what he says. We've got to say, hey, 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 you're under our feet. Thank you, Andrew. That's a good job. I was going to mess up your hair because I'm jealous. Let's give Andrew a big hand. Yeah. He's under your feet. So stop getting down to his level. Step on him. Just like Jesus did. Uh, supernatural church is a praying church. Amazing how many people don't pray. You know what it says to me? People who don't pray say they don't need God. Oh, that was pretty strong. Prayer is a humbling of oneself. If my people will call by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Prayer is a humbling of oneself to say there is a God that's greater than me. So I need to put my dependence on Him. And so out of a relationship with Him, I seek His face because I know that I need Him. But when I don't pray, I'm saying to my life, I don't need Him. The church was birthed out of a prayer meeting. What are you birthing out of your prayer life? 
The supernatural church is an abundance church, a church that has abundance. See, the New Testament church, the church was so blessed that people came to it as well as it going out, people came to the church. So the widows would come so that they could be looked after. The sick would come because they could be healed. Those who are needing a breakthrough would come. Wouldn't it be awesome if the church became so powerful that all the resources that we do, we build His church because it's His vehicle for revival. I'm talking about local church that God's called to build to touch a city. And as, a church, as we come in, then the people, the widows out there or the people in need, they come in looking, they come in searching. They come, I'm going to go to that city Bible church because go there because you want, you want to have a financial breakthrough. There's so much faith there. They got so much blessing there. You need a healing. You've got to go to that city Bible church because I've heard about people getting healed of cancer and heard people getting healed of this and healed of that. Oh, you want a job? Oh, you should hear what's happening. There's no unemployment. Oh, you need a breakthrough in your business, Mr. Businessman, and you've tried all the ways and you try to work it out and it hasn't worked. You should go to that city Bible church because something happens. That's the church of the New Testament. Church that has abundance. It is a church that has the gifts of the Spirit in operation and miracles are a regular occurrence. Not a, oh, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, of course that happened. Last year we had over two and, two and a half thousand recorded miracles in our church. You know, one, one of the miracles I was telling in the earlier service, a man who had for 20 years been blind in one eye, well, 97% blind in one eye because 20 years before that, he, you know, uh, had a wood lathe accident where a piece of wood flew out and hit him in the eye. And he lost 97% of his sight and he had a valve put in there so he wouldn't get glaucoma completely. And in worship one day we called people forward to seeing people get changed and healed. And people started getting healed in our church of eyesights. And he thought if God can do it for those people, he can do it for me. And he had his hands raised as people were praying for him. And he saw a vision of a wood chip going up and a hand going up and stopping it. And he opened his eyes and he he turns to his wife and he says, which one's my bad eye? And she goes, what do you mean? He says, I can see completely well. And, And she goes, let me have a look. And she looks into his eye and the valve has completely disappeared. Supernatural church. That's what should be the regular message. How do you make that the regular message? You talk about it. You say, this is what's happening because testimony, the the Bible says, testimony actually means God do it again. So every time we testify, instead of, see, we can testify of bad stuff or we testify of what God's doing. God's doing this and God's doing that and God's doing that. And all of a sudden we create an atmosphere of faith over our lives. And then all of a sudden people say, I've got to go to that place where they testimonies are happening. I actually have staff meetings and I say to my staff, we, the first half an hour, of, we, we have an hour prayer meeting. The first 30 minutes is testimonies. And I say, who's got testimonies today? And some of them take a little while and no one says anything and, uh, this happens a very few times, but a couple of times it has. And I said, hey, I pay you to create testimonies. I don't pay you to create programs. I pay you to create testimonies. God has given His Spirit for you to create testimonies. No excuse. Because what you focus on is what you get. 
<laughs> I better hurry up. It's a church that exalts Jesus in everything they do. It's a passionate church. Friends, let's not let the Portland Trailblazer crowd beat the church passion. Well, you know, I want to praise, but I, you know, don't, you know, it's not my personality style. I'm phlegmatic. Oh, so you let that lid define you. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It doesn't say if you're sanguine, outgoing, whatever. It says, let the redeemed. Well, you know, I don't know about this lifting hand stuff. And I don't know about this clapping hand stuff. And I don't know about this. And I don't know. Well, read the Bible. Get into kingdom order, not, not cultural order. <laughs> Psalm 47 says this. This is what Psalms 47. Oh, clap you hands, all you people. Not though that feel like it. Oh, shout unto God with a voice of triumph for the Lord is high. (laughs) See, you don't understand the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to, I can feel the presence of God here right now. You know, God is looking for people who are passionate, not just in your head. Well, you know, I agree with that, but I just think it in my head. The world wasn't thought into existence, it was spoken into existence. And when you agree in, you let out what's in your, uh, I gotta, uh, see, 99% of us are the same of our DNA. It doesn't matter what culture, what background, what upbringing we have, we're 99% of us are made up of the same. There's 1% that is unique to each one of us. And that's our eye print, our tongue print and our fingerprint. And God gives us a vision to declare that we can touch people's lives with. And it's time to get a vision that is unique, but it's collective. Time to declare what God's put in your spirit. And it's time to reach out and be people of what you've declared it to be. You notice that Jesus, all the crowds followed Him. Bible says they thronged him and he had to bring it down to 120 because he had to have them in all accord, one accord. Notice around Jericho, they all shouted. You say, yeah, but I'm unique. So is the Godhead, but it's a picture. The The Godhead is one mind, but three different expressions. (laughs) So, and the, the, the thing that, Keeps it together is honour. You know, we, we teach individual thought and there's nothing wrong with having your own ideas. But the, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that you'd be one mind. If the Holy Spirit's in operation, we can be one mind with expression of who we are, but one mind. Hmm. Supernatural church. It's not about us. What will people think? You know, one time I was in a meeting and this guy was clapping really loud and he was annoying me. Like, annoying. To a bit. And I'm sitting there going, this is actually in my head, I'm going, will you shut up? I wasn't really spiritual. And I hear this voice speaking to my spirit. If you clapped, you wouldn't even notice him. 
So I started clapping. And I didn't care anymore. Because the thing is, we so worry what people think and how we love. I see people go, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this, this. And you will not. You'll be going, wow, 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 wow. And heaven's not quiet. The only thing that's quiet is dead people. God never called the church to be dead. The devil tried to make it dead. He wants all the noise. Watch MTV. He doesn't mind all the noise going to him. And if he can take the noise out of the church, that gives him more sound. I've got to close with this because I've gone over. The Bible, see, you're a person. You go, oh, gee, that's, I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> the name person, the word person is a Latin phrase. It's per son. The word son is sonic, sound. The word per is what flows through. So your life is the sound that flows through. Jesus said, I'm the personification of the Father. I'm the sound of the Father. So my life has the sound of the Father flow through it. So our lives need to bring a sound because sound creates. Hmm. Right, see what, right now I'm in a, there's a revelation mode right here across campus. I can feel it. And God's wanting to bring this sound and crank it up. I'm not just, I'm not talking about that sound. I'm talking about this sound. Crank it up so that the world would know, come join the party. Because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. The whole world's trying to get high. Trying to get high on sport, high on relationships, high on money, high on this. But we got the most high God. You can't get any higher. People try to take artificial stuff to get them high. But all we got to do is snort a few lines and that will get us high in His presence. You say, hey, I, I want to be that supernatural church. I, I, I'm a part of it, but I, I want to be a greater sound of the supernatural life of God. I want to be that supernatural sound. I want to be the personification of the Father. I want to be that supernatural church. We want to be it. If that's you, would you lift your hands all over this room? In fact, God's healing people right now. Father, right now, I don't come in my name. I don't come in my authority. I don't come in my limitation. Well, I don't, there's no limitations on me because you're in me. But I don't come with the name of Russell Evans. I came with the name of Jesus. And Father, I declare this is amazing church. We know that already. But there's a greater sound yet to come from this house. And we declare an increase. Lord, we declare a greater, a greater, a greater future than it's ever seen in the past. I thank You for souls and more souls. I thank You for miracles. I thank You for blessing. I thank You for abundance. I thank You for freedom. I thank You for life. I thank You for the moving of the Spirit. I thank You that we are going to be so prophetic. We're going to be, Lord, we are going to be way beyond what anyone could ever see. I thank You, Jesus, for Your grace 
fill Your people right now. As we begin to worship God, come on, let there be the sound of heaven.